Hello, everyone, and welcome to In the Finest Hour, a 40k competitive podcast teaching you tips and strategies you can use in about an hour. And this time we have even coming in and maybe in the finest half an hour. Well, we'll see exactly how long it runs, but we've got a, a special crosstalk episode with myself as your usual host, Sean Morgan, and Shaylin Allen Wes, our good podcast host. Hey. This is an evil-free episode, as it turns out. Sometimes we need those. Yeah. And sometimes Ben needs a night off because stuff gets weird for him. Well, I mean, he's human. Yes. Uh, So this time we're going to be doing something that we've kind of been intending to do for a little while, which is talk about Shailene's Grey Knights a little bit. Uh, Shailene, you want to speak a little bit to the genesis of this episode and what are our thoughts, what we're going to do with it? Since the dawn of Ninth edition, I have been trying to optimize and build the tournament competitive Grey Knights list, like many people. Um... Well, maybe not many, but the the concept is the same. And what we're going to be talking about here is how to approach list building, learning from your games, and then redesign and rebuilding. Because we just did a lot of iterations of that, and it's pretty useful to see it applied. Yeah. So let's kind of take this one piece at a time, starting from the beginning. Where did you start out with Grey Knights in 9th edition? So uh, I took the opposite thing that you did. You translated a 8th ed competitive list into ninth. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have a lot of opportunity due to COVID to really see what end of 8th competitive Grey Knights was for myself. So I took things that I hadn't taken in a while and also things that I knew were okay-ish in the previous edition. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had a hodgepodge list that didn't have a super good plan. Yeah, well, your, your first list was more an experiment than a list, really, because it was kind of like onesie-twosies of a lot of different things. Yeah, um, and that was partly, uh, that was deliberate. I was like, okay, well, I know this list is probably going to fail, fail, but what's going to be the MVPs and what's going to, like, fail harder than I expected? Right, and and what were your conclusions on that? Uh, power armor is not durable enough in this edition when it's at one wound and a three up save. Hmm. We'll we'll come back around on that one because I have some some interesting thoughts on some of the more recent tournament lists with that. But um, yeah, I I would broadly speaking agree with you. Yeah, that was uh definitely something. My power armor just didn't have the staying power it needed. Um. I finally got to see Tide of Shadows do the thing it was supposed to, which was kind of nice to see. Yeah. Uh, I I think that is a conclusion we both came to after that game, which is that Tide of Shadows is still a quite powerful effect to have. Yeah. Um, well, Tides in general are strong. Yes. Some of them are a little weaker than others, and some of them are more niche than others, but they're yeah. still strong. Like, if you play Grey Knights, Mono Faction is a pretty hard thing to ch- walk yourself out of. Yeah, and I think Tide of Shadows more than any of the others because it benefits all your units, except for like two or three of them in the Codex. Um, and the changes to Ninth Edition did not actually affect it very much. It's like technically the no stacking minus ones hurts it, but in a functional way that doesn't actually come up very much. 
No. Um, and considering that I didn't have access to minus ones any other way. Yeah. It would it, it basically change nothing from 8th edition. Um, yep. I, I wanted to take a whack up a little quick aside because I built a battalion here and the logic behind my my choice of battalion is actually, I think, relevant to the listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, so for context, the granite points cost from 9th edition to late 8th edition basically put them back at early 8th edition points. Rounding. Um, so I happen to have already known that a granite brigade has about 200-ish points of play. It costs 1,800 to put on the table. For, oh yeah. So... Basically, a brigade's out of the question. It's really restrictive and weird, and you don't have any room to work with. Um, but Ninth Edition encourages you to do mono detachment. Yeah. To get the most CP, and Green Knights actually have stratagems now that make them want CP. So that's why I started with a brigade because it gave me the most options. B- battalion, you mean? Or battalion? Because uh, it gave me the most options, and it didn't chew up so many slots. Fair. One thing I have seen a lot of Grey Knight lists doing, and actually a lot of lists in general, is running multiple patrols. I know you haven't really tried that much, uh, but it does minimize the troop investment needed to bring HQs and other units. Do you have any feelings on that yet? Well, it turns out Grey Knight troops are have been historically some of the better units in the codexes. That's fair. Um, I actually want to take Grey Knight troops, so I don't really feel harmed. I think a brigade patrol is probably where I'd go if I want more HQ slots. That's the purpose of it. Do you feel like you necessarily want a full three or more troops in all of the lists? Is one thing I have seen is a lot of them running the the double patrol, um, which has one fewer troop slot, and that doesn't sound like a lot, but you know, in Grey Knights, one fewer troop slot is you know maybe two hundred or two hundred fifty points. <laughs> yeah, and I will probably work into that area. Uh, I haven't gotten to that part of my iteration yet because fair. Uh, spoiler alert: come October. Uh, all of this is going to change, and I'm going to have to restart the whole process. So. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why it's on pause right now. But So why don't we kind of move on to talking about your, your second list, or really your, your first list rather than just a, a combination of different units that you wanted to try out. One of the things Ninth Edition did, uh, when you look at relative comparisons, is a lot of the rules that they have surrounding vehicles boosted the Nemesis Dreadnought chassis. Mm-hmm. So the next list I ran was six of those guys. Three Grandmasters and three Rag. Yeah. The the basic Dread Knight gained a lot out of Ninth Edition. Yes. From, I mean, the most obvious one is getting to actually hit on threes with its weapons, which is going from four to three is a pretty big deal. Yeah. Uh, also, there's just a couple other things. It is... Uh, easier to tides in its own weird way because of that the smaller boards means that their eight inch movement becomes a lot more relevant mm-hmm. um they are one of the faster units in the codex and that is a pretty sad thing to say <laughs> yeah eight inches isn't terrible but it ain't great um uh, but they also they benefit a lot from something that you're seeing way more of which is like units with a duality of shooting and melee and that's really yes. something the dread knight does very well the Duranite has historically been an all-round, a really good all-rounder unit. Yeah. Um, 
and it still is in ninth. That hasn't gone away. The other thing is it carries some of the Codex's better anti-tank guns. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have a lot, and they're almost all on the Drenite chassis or on some vehicle chassis. Yeah, it, and it's especially that heavy Psy cannon that can do the most work there. Although the sil- the Gatling silencer is not terrible at that. Especially because you can onslaught and make both of those weapons super powered. Yeah. Um, and also their close combat weapons rip a lot of things to shreds. They yes. can shoot in close combat now, which means... Hordes that would normally slow them down. Oh, look, I have a million shots. Right. You, getting touched by some orc boys is not like, well, I guess I'm killing five of you a turn and from now until forever. It's like, well, I'm going to kill five of you on your turn, and if you decide to stick in combat, I'm going to kill about 16 more of you, and then I'm going to get to punch again. Yeah. Um, and maybe consolidate on something inconvenient. Yes. That list told me that Drenites were good, but I. the problem with the pure Drenite list is they all vehicle keyword, and they really can't take actions, and you can't afford to turn them off a turn to take an action. Yeah, it very much limits your, uh, your unit count as a whole, which means your secondaries are constrained, and even your primary is... Uh, Hard. Yeah. Because uh, you actually need units to stand on objectives, and Drenites want to be running around. Uh, doing things for you. So I, a pure Drenite thrust list, I will call it, uh, is not optimal for that reason. But Drenites are still really solid. Um, so the next list I tried was a different extreme um, because one of the other things that was working really well for my initial te- experiment was Terminator bodies. Mm-hmm. And I threw as many of them on the table as I could physically do, which basically used my entire Terminator collection. <laughs> And that was something like, what, it was like... 40 bodies. Yeah, counting all the it, HQs and everything. I, I, I own a shit ton of Terminators. Because it was, it was basically like 35 troop Terminators and then a scattering of HQs. HQs and Apothecaries. Yeah, that was yeah. basically the list. Um, its problem was that it had really, outside of close combat, it didn't have anti-tank options, which is a problem. Uh, because this is a tank-heavy addition, and if they can't shoot it, like, pink at a tank in shooting, their combat's strong, but I don't think it's strong enough to take out most tanks. Yeah, my feeling playing against it was that it was relatively durable, but it struggled to affect the board in many cases. Um, so you, you got were... shot by the full brunt of your opponent's thing all the time, and yeah. I'm tough, but I'm not five turns of tough. Right. Um, you know, Grey Knights are not, you know, Death Guard where you can just sort of like weather the enemy's firepower semi-indefinitely. Uh, so the, the the list was working sort of, but I think we both sort of came to the conclusion that it was not really going to be able to do what you needed. Part of that was also the fact that like, we were still learning a lot of the tricks that Grey Knights were capable of. Yes. Uh, speaking of which, the next iteration starts you employing those tricks. Mm-hmm. Um, because basically what I was doing with the first two iterations was I was testing certain unit types mm-hmm. and flushing with them. And there was actually a second iteration of the Terminator list that had some interceptors in there. The sole purpose of those guys was a little tempo control because that yeah. list needed something to speed bump things. Yeah. 
and interceptors are wicked fast. Yes, I've actually seen some people having a, a reasonable amount of success running uh, some number of interceptors in Grey Knight lists. And that's kind of where I feel that I actually am intending to go with the final iteration, but we'll get hmm. there when we get there, because there's so, a step between. So you were, you were talking about the, the next version that was kind of a step from the Terminator one. Yes, so the step, uh, so the next version is a hybrid list where it's like, okay, I need some anti-tank, I need some distraction threats, and I need a little bit more speed and a couple other things, and Dread Knights provide a lot of that for Grey Knights. Um, they're also tough. So it was really basically just like taking the best things from those other two lists and saying, what if I did both of these at once? Yes, uh, the hybrid idea. And that list works pretty well. Um, there were some things that we jangled into it. Uh, for example, a strike squad unit. Uh, because of the dynamic insertion stratagem, I can put OPSEC three inches away from whatever the heck I want. Yeah, because you were you were running like a couple of Terminator units and then a single strike unit, both for points reasons and also just to have a throwaway unit to to drop in somewhere. Yes, uh, and they could basically I could drop them in. It's pretty hard to screen out a dynamic insertion. You basically need yeah, a seven inch bubble. It's virtually impossible in a realistic sense. <laughs> strike squads are smaller than the Terminator, so they're easier to fit. Yep. Um, they drop in. It's not that hard to stick them on an objective, and basically, you know, I can foil my opponent into a five-point turn. Mm -hmm. That's a powerful tool, and I'm willing to spend 100 points on that. Also drop an action on them, that's a lot of points those guys get me. Yep. Uh, and I kind of feel they have a really solid place in that list. They work great. Yeah. And if for some reason they're alive the next turn, oh great, I got a unit back here. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I have actually seen uh, a couple of lists running significant numbers of strike bodies recently. Uh, mm -hmm. I believe there is a uh, high place finisher at a, a tournament earlier this week, if I'm remembering right, uh, that was running six by five strike squads. Uh, which is interesting. It's had a lot of people kind of chattering about that because it's sort of the opposite of what most people were doing with Grey Knights. Yeah. That said, strike bodies, uh, if you can keep them alive, and it is possible. Um, they still benefit from transhuman, for example. Mm -hmm. You can keep strikes alive two-ish turns. Um, yeah, although you're having to invest CP and other stuff into them at that point, which... Uh, for, for a lot of people, they feel that those resources are better invested into a Terminator squad, which will pay off somewhat better. I, I agree, but um, the, the point is, is that they can, if you're willing to invest a little bit into them, they can wear you a surprising amount of stuff, especially if you can mm -hmm. plan them in terrain, get that minus one going, get yeah. that tool up to armor save going. Strikes can be surprisingly tough if Tide of Shadows gets to do its full thing for you. Um, yeah, that was another observation we had in playtesting. If I run into Ignore's cover, it's kind of a rough day. Ignore's cover is definitely pretty annoying for you because it is able to bypass one of your layers of defenses, uh, which it seems like uh, the Grey Knight list these days very much are, are working on like layered defenses from Tide of Shadows, Transhuman, their spells, etc. Uh, yeah. And they're using this to make units selectively durable. Yes. And that's 
that's why it's hard. Um, Granites were never great at the attrition game to start with. Mm-hmm. You take away things that help their attrition game, they do not like it. Yeah. Um, and that's just going to be a thing. That's just going to be a rough matchup, and there's not much else I can say about it. Yeah. Um, it, it, but the other tides I said, they aren't, they're not like they're weak. So it's not like I can't make use of the other tides. So you, you mentioned there was uh kind of like another iteration you had added beyond this. Do you want to talk about that one a little? Yeah. So this is one I haven't play tested, but it's more of, I sat down and thought about like components, like good components and kind of like, if I could have it all, what kind of components are could I have? And I haven't figured out the points yet, because as, as I said, it's kind of like it's a conceptual build rather than a physical build. Mm-hmm. Um, is I actually want some interceptors. Sure. They seem to be a very flexible unit that fulfills a lot of what you want to be doing in ninth edition. Yes. The the tempo control they buy you is crazy good. Um, and tempo control is critical in ninth. Mm-hmm. Movement blocking and all that other stuff. Their speed is something the list just needs. The one of the nice things that they can do is theoretically turn one, just jump on the objectives and be there right away or be threatening them right away. Um, right. So, and like I can edict Imperiatra, one of them, that's the one where I get to move and shoot spell. Mm-hmm. That's a 24 inch move. They're on something. Yeah. That's a lot of distance potentially. Yeah. You can't move. You can't block me out with scouts to stop me from doing that. Yeah. It'll happen, because they ignore intervening everything when that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, as I said, Interceptors, I feel, is a good manipulation tool. I kind of need to tuck into the list. I was considering expanding the the Strike Squad capacity to two, so I could do the, the, dro- the an obnoxious disruption drop twice. Hmm. Are, would you be running, like, two units of Terminators and two units of Strikes, or would you cut one of the units of Terminators for that? I think uh, I'd either be cutting some Terminators, or I might cut some Grandmaster Dread Knights, actually. Oh, yeah? Um, so Grandmaster Dread Knights run about 50 points more expensive than their regular counterpart. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the problems that the, the Dread Knight Terminator hybrid list has, um, because it does carry Grandmaster Dread Knights as the HQs, is I don't have a lot of casts on the Indominus, on the Dominus table. And that's a little frustrating. I kind of feel I need a little more flexibility in that. And as a Grey Knight player, I can tell you, Dread Knights are targetable. I can't yeah. have a clutch spell stay and expect it to stay there. Yeah, I know that is something I've seen a number of other Grey Knight players kind of like talking about and, and struggling with is uh, as good as the Grandmaster Dread Knight may be, uh, he eats up HQ slots, which is a significant resource in this edition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and the regular Dreadnights are quite good. Um, and I feel three of them are still plenty viable. So you would be shifting to, like, three regular Dreadnights and then, like, maybe one Grandmaster, but then focusing more on uh, some of the other HQs? Yeah, maybe one Grandmaster, maybe zero Grandmasters. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I kind of feel Voldis is a pretty hard not to sell to not have in a list. He's quite good. He does so many things the Grey Knights need done. Yeah. And he's a nice little tidy package for it. And he's uh, he's just he's a librarian and he is a foot grandmaster at the same time, um, which is a fantastic little package. Also, um, he's got a hammer that swings with no minus penalty. Yeah. So this guy also is a smash captain on top well, of everything else except for the movement. Because well, he, so. he hits almost as hard as Drago does. Yeah. Foldis is great. He's yeah. a perfect point sell there. I'm like, I don't complain about Foldis at all. He, he does his job perfectly. So what other uh, HQs would you be looking to take? So... I, I was thinking of someone point out a brother captain is not bad because still being able to sm to sit back and smite from a distance because there's a lot of Terminator sitting on a rear objective and doing nothing but sitting back there. Yeah. Uh, that they do having a brother captain might help, and that also gives me a little more onion on that objective. Mm -hmm. Uh, I still like the idea of having a few apothecaries running around. Um, sure. I, I do like what Mitch pointed out. You give them a hammer and suddenly they're like Titan killers. That's. Yeah. That. Yeah. That, that's kind of a useful thing. And I need anti-Titan shit in my list. For those who have not seen a, a gray mite apothecary going full tilt. Um, they are horrifying because you can give them plus one to wound from hammer hand. You can give them plus one, uh, damage from the relic hammer if i'm remembering right yes it's damage four and then you are going in swinging is it five times on threes it's yeah. not that hard to get some re-rolls you can fight on death or fight twice as needed and your fight on death is only one cp oh yeah <laughs> And since he has a five-up invuln and four wounds, pretty good chances he gets danced to death by that knight or whatever. Um, so, so free swig again. Yeah. So you're if if you actually go in and do that, and I think there's a couple other stratagems you can pop on top of that if you really just want to like go full ham with that guy. Um, oh yeah. But you can. You can basically soup this little, what, 100-point character up uh, yeah. to the point where they will wreck basically any single model. Yeah. And woe is you if that model happens to have the daemon keyword, because then he's rerolling <laughs> to wounds against it. Right, because clearly he, he needs just a little bit something extra there. <laughs> uh, he's not quite as murderous as, like, some of the Blood Angel or Space Wolf ones are, but he's also not dedicated to the job because, you know, all the other turns of the game, he's casting spells and healing guys. Um, or taking actions, because he's infantry. Absolutely. Um, so he's a very useful little include. I feel I want one in the list. I mm -hmm. probably want two, really. Mm -hmm. Because um, they're nasty little surprises for people who are not paying attention. Yeah. The other thing you can do is you can give one a warding stave, which makes him stupidly tough. Yeah. Everyone everyone loves that, like, three-up invuln guy. Two-up armor, three-up invuln. Just kind of, like, sitting there bouncing hits from uh, 
whatever enemy character you got locked in combat and like they're gonna slip one damage one hit through for a couple damage and then you're just gonna heal it all yeah um that that's the joy of that guy so um so i said they they have some really good places the hammer guy is just a murder fiend and the warding stave guy is surprisingly hard to shift mm-hmm. um both of those things are different kinds of useful in ninth edition and that's why i was wanting to include him i was thinking i probably want 10 i feel 10 interceptors is the amount i want either two five-man squads or one ten-man squad can you talk a little bit about what you feel the differences between those are yeah the nice thing about the ten-man squad is it has ten wounds right that's ten wounds that need to be chewed up it takes up uh it takes up the same space as two five-man squads and arguably a little bit less because it's more restricted it all has to be together in certain ways on the other hand, uh, one of the things you can do with a 10-man squad before the game starts is declare a combat squad. And now I've got two five-man squads for the games I need five-mans as opposed to 10-man. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I do lose is one of the squads does lose a bit of leadership, which isn't that big a deal with the new morale rules. You do also uh, lose the option to give them different psychic powers. Yes, that is the other option I lose. Um I kind of feel the 10-man is overall stronger from a tournament perspective because there are some matchups I'll want the 10-men and mm-hmm. there are some where I will want two fives. And I feel that's more tactically flexible. Yeah, it, it does feel like that flexibility with the, the combat squad is actually fairly powerful. Yes. Um, this list also has some paladins in it currently. I might drop those down to regular Terminators to make points work. Um, Have you thought at all about the three-man Paladin unit? I know we've been testing mostly the larger ones, but it's something I have seen other people discussing. uh, You know, I don't think that's a bad thing to have. I think it's a cute little pocket trick um, Uh of just, like, they're surprisingly dumbly sturdy for what they are. There's nine wounds right there. Yep. Um, I'm going to drop nine wounds in Terminator armor into somewhere inconvenient um, and just have this looming little annoyance there. They also have a decent amount of attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a squad I might consider giving Felchins to just because then they become these four attack monstrosities of just chop something up. It's hmm. an interesting thought. Yeah. Uh, because they can't take any special weapons at that point, not that they're super interested in doing that anyways. Yeah, um, you wouldn't really want to. They've got a lot of little play there. I, I think they're a useful little tool. I'm considering doing it. It's not that terrible price-wise to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, a full man unit of paladins is 500 points. Three yeah. is not 500 points. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a big difference there. It's like 150 points instead to bring those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, then a whopping 12 more to give them all falchions. So it's it's actually not a bad investment there, I feel, just because it's like that extra little bit of like, then they can blend something like an orc boy horde pretty hard. <laughs> um, but it, it, as I said, it, it's just like, it's a little, it's a little blending unit. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I feel it, it's used for. Um, halberds are still pretty good. I mean, they are cheaper. 
they do feel like the default choice for uh, a lot of squads just because plus one strength pushes you up into a useful place and unlike falchions they are free yes um but as i said for for a unit that's a dedicated blender i think that's a good choice just for what i might be using that one for Mm -hmm. i think the extra attack actually does start stacking up over there in a very different way yeah so that's kind of where I'm feeling it. Uh, I will probably put together this infamous Grey Knight list I'm thinking about just to have done it. <laughs> sure. Uh, can we kind of wrap things up by talking just a little bit about uh, kind of looking forward? Because obviously we don't know at this point what exactly the price and stat line changes Grey Knights are going to see mm-hmm. when units get updated. Uh, but we can we can broadly assume that their changes will parallel those of the other Space Marines. So one extra wound on basically all of their models, um, yeah. slightly improved stat lines on various melee weapons, like swords going up to strength plus one and whatnot. Um what are your sort of immediate thoughts on that, um, knowing what we do now? So, swords become a lot more appealing at plus one to wound because they are minus three AP. Yep. Um, and that minus three AP wasn't really valuable at base strength on a Grey Knight, mm-hmm. but strength five is a really good threshold to hit. Hammerhand makes you wound almost everything in the game on four ups. Yep. At minus three AP. That's pretty dumb. Yeah, and I think critically it takes you from needing fours to wound the uh, Plague Marines with Hammerhand to needing threes, Uh, and when you're needing threes to wound and doing multiple damage on Plague Marines, that's a pretty good place to be. Plague Marines do not appreciate this. Yeah. Um, That is a thing. Uh, If you were to look in the Granite Codex, basically all the close combat weapons do multiple damage. That's their shtick. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel it will affect your consideration of Terminators versus Strike Marines? If we presume that, like, Strikes are two wounds, Terminators are three, Paladins are four. So, I do think that three-man Paladin block becomes even more of an a-hole. It's just like, hi, I just deep-struck 12 wounds over here. Bite me. Mm -hmm. Um, that is exactly what that squad's about now. Um... I, I do feel Terminator, both Terminators and Strikes having that extra durability will definitely help them in the attrition game, which is a thing they struggle with. Mm-hmm. But we are going to see a hu- more larger prevalence of two damage weaponry, apparently. So that's, mm-hmm. I feel Terminators are still going to come out ahead just because three wounds from two is pretty potent. A change. Sure. Uh, all of those those two damage weapons effectively hold parallel with Terminators as uh, they're sort of like, well, it took two hits to kill them before and it takes two hits to kill them now. Yes. Um, so they hold parallel and they just drop a basic strike wide pretty hard. But on the other hand, if they're not too much more expensive or maybe, heaven forbid, not change up race at all... Mm-hmm. Um, that would probably put them in a stronger place because it's just like, well, usually when something gets stat boosted, it's price changes as well. Yeah. I don't think chainswords are going to be free if they're plus one to wound. Yeah, there's there's definitely... 
As far as I know, chain swords aren't going to two damage. I, I had seen plus one to plus one strength, but uh, I was confusing it with the heavy bolter. Yes, the heavy bolter being two damage is definitely going to be something that a lot of people are going to have to look at. Uh, yeah. Grey knights are certainly not alone there. The yes. the interesting thought that I had was the the biggest change is you see these this sort of weapon inflation uh, and stat line inflation on the other side. Um, is that the if the basic weapons, your bolters and las guns and whatnot, stay the same, uh, th that suddenly makes the strike team extremely durable against those. Uh, whereas the the terminators and paladins and whatnot obviously are still more durable, uh, but m perhaps not for their price. Yes. Um, it changes uh, the impetus on how much that extra damage bit means. Mm -hmm. um, I'm hoping, because the Grey Knight Special Weapon Suite, I, I, I did like what they said on Best in Faction. It's almost good. Everything there is almost good. Yeah. Um, it'd be real nice if that had a nice hard look at and actually got fixed. Because if it got fixed, then I could actually use my special weapons and it would fix... A whole load of, I can't kill that tank, damn it! Yeah. That I have regularly. Not not being able to realistically hurt tanks with shooting is a pretty rough limitation on an army. Yeah. Um, that's just, it's pain. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, what I'm hoping is that Psy Cannons go up to damage too. That would be they, super good for them. I would imagine they will. I can switch into a tide to make them damage three. That that would be great. Yep. Um, cause that means I can start really hurting some things. Uh, and then I'd actually take them. Uh, <laughs> if flamers went out in distance, I'd, I'd consider a squad of purgators to drop in in flame. The sure. reason that's not a consideration right now is it's not legal to use that three inch insertion strategy on them. I see a lot of people make that mistake. It's just like, use it with purgators and you get four flamers. It's like, they do not have the teleport strike keyword, but good try. Yeah. Um, they, they, the stratagem specifically calls out a really specific rule in the Granite's Codex that they do not have them and purifiers. Drago also lacks it. Yeah, not that you were going to do it with Drago to start with, no, but good job, dude. But it, it technically, <laughs> technically not legal. Um, so what, what sort of takeaways do you have from this process as a whole? What would you tell people who are like doing this thing themselves and kind of like iterating lists? So I broke down the iteration process into, I'm going to, I, I did my general experiment, which mm -hmm. gave me some baseline data of like, that wasn't as good. That was kind of better than I thought it would be. And I knew the list was going to crumple and fail. I walked in knowing it would fold. Mm -hmm. Because testing isn't necessarily about succeeding. It's about trying and seeing what can yes. succeed. Um, it's, I was deliberately causing a failure state to see where it was. Sure. Um, so that is actually a really valuable thing. I need to know what doesn't work and why, because mm -hmm. we're about to have a change to the codex. So strikes are just not, not quite as tough as I'd like. Well, they're about to get a boost. So if they get a good boost, mm -hmm. hey, um, it might be what we need to make them viable. And I might spam a lot of strikes if it turns out it works out that way. Right. Um, that's item one. Uh, item two is that uh, is I also focused in on a concept and an idea 
pretty thoroughly because it's like, okay, I saw this unit got boosted. I'm going to run it out to its extreme to see how it succeeds and fails because I want to see both of those at the same time. And the best way to do that is by having a lot of it on the table. So really just like taking a single idea and pushing it as hard as you can to see what its limits are. Yes, because in a game where there's six Dreadites on the table, I will see them fail and I will see them succeed. The mm -hmm. probability of that is very high. Right. Um, so I'll learn more about Dreadites faster by overdoing it. And I will learn more about Terminators faster, same tactic. And that's when the hybrid list comes in, and I'm looking at knobs to turn. Um, as I said, the interceptors, I included them in as like a little like uh, assembly. Because mm -hmm. I knew interceptors by themselves are an assembly to a Grey Knights list. Right. And, and I knew they worked as an assembly there. I'm like, you know what? I still need that assembly. So it's it's almost like tuning a radio where like the first thing you do is like, okay, I'm just going to move this dial around a lot and see what happens, and I'm going to turn it all the way up and all the way down, and now that I know what happens at the top end and the bottom end, then I can wiggle it around in the middle somewhere and kind of like hone in on what I actually want. Exactly. That is what my list process has really been in a nutshell. Okay. One of the reasons we are specifically talking about Grey Knights here is not only that I play them, but the codex is really small, so you can look up all these units and it won't take very long. Yeah, that's we'll call that an advantage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's one of the codex's biggest weaknesses, but in this case it works for our favor. Yes. <laughs> well, I think we, we sort of covered your, your process up to this point pretty effectively. Uh mm -hmm. It's. I, I have been doing similar things with my own lists, but of course that's a whole other episode to talk about on its own and discuss that process in a very different fashion. Uh, oh, yeah. Was there anything you wanted to say kind of in summary or as a final note here? Uh, yeah, so the final note is I lost all of my games, and we always talk about failing forward and learning the most out of failure, so... I'm not thrilled that I lost all of my games, but at the same time, I learned a crap ton about Ninth Edition and about the Grey Knights. Yeah. So it was the right thing to have happen. And and I often find that in practice games, losing can be more valuable because it's it's showing you what doesn't work about the list, which is really what you're looking for. It's not like, what's good? Because you can look at a book and say, oh, that looks good, and lots of things will. But it's very hard to say, like, okay, but is it really good, or does it just look good? Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, seeing those failures tell you, like, how good actually is this? Well, as I said, I learned. A strike squad, yeah. if I'm willing to invest into it, can stick around a little bit long, and sometimes you just need another turn of them being there. Yeah, one turn can be enough, definitely. I can spend two CP and win myself the game? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we, we covered that pretty effectively. Hopefully this is illuminating to people who were curious about either Grey Knights or just sort of the process that we go through as we're building lists here in 9th edition. Uh, obviously not quite the way we like to be doing it. We would normally be uh, attending a number of tournaments during this time and getting some other kinds of testing out, but uh, the situation doesn't really permit that right now, because Oregon hasn't really, like, opened up fully quite yet, and may not for a while. On the other hand, our hospitals aren't overwhelmed, so I guess we're winning. Yeah, that's... I'll, I'll take people not dying over tournaments happening. 
But hopefully it's uh, still been an interesting episode for all of you to listen to. If you have any questions or comments or want to get in contact with us for one reason or another, you can contact us in the finest hour at gmail.com or through Facebook where we are also in the finest hour. And if you want to throw five bucks away uh, for doing all this, you think we're doing a great job and you'd like to hook up with our private Discord server, you can join us on Patreon, which also is in the finest hour. Uh, also, shout out to Rylan for our art and Dank Muse for our music. Yep, thank you as always. They have contributed some really great stuff, and wow, Ryan has been putting out just a lot of really cool work recently. Oh, yeah. So, uh, thank you all for listening. We'll have a regular episode coming up for you before too long, uh, and, you know, maybe some more crosstalk episodes as we continue to progress our lists here. Uh, but otherwise, for In the Finest Hour, I've been Sean Morgan. Shailen Allen. West. Thanks for listening.